everybody. I'm excited to be here, and it's unlikely that I end up here because I grew up on a polygamous compound, which is why I'm overcompensating with this blazer right now. I call this look Mormon polygamous glow up because I look really good, but you still can't see my elbows. You have to understand that seeing elbows is like third base for polygamous. Mostly because we never play baseball and have no idea how bases work. Welcome to the Brothers Random Show. My name is Travis. I'm Michael. And we are two ordinary brothers discussing extraordinary ideas and some random shit. Our second guest is a comedian, is a consultant, he's a TikTok, he is TikTok famous, and you know him as the Fresh King Benjamin, and we know him as Ben, our nephew. Welcome. Hey guys, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. I'm real. I'm stoked to have this conversation. I I really like chatting. You're good and at let it. Let me. I want. Oh, to start I think out. I think we're good at it as as Browns. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking people into cults for 200 years. <laughs> it never gets old, right? It never, well, it sort of got old for, I think, the three of us. <laughs> yeah, it got old. That's what we, we were like. Oh, God, God, got old fast. <laughs> <clears throat> Starting out, I wanted to, I wanted to mention that, Ben, you and I grew up together and have been best friends, best of friends. I think growing up, it's even cooler that uh, we, and we may disagree on some things, but like we we will always be friends. And in fact, going back in memory, I, I can never remember a time where we weren't friends. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's weird that you're my uncle. Um, <laughs> and what's even weirder is that it, you're not, the uncle thing isn't because of polygamy. Like that's what you would expect is that you're my polygamist uncle, but you're just my normal, regular Mormon uncle. <laughs> Probably more to due to Mormonism than, which whatever what? uh, same two two peas at a pod same I mean, yeah. yeah i don't know it's the same as much as the mormons try to deny it like it's the same thing yeah it's pretty much the same thing um uh so you're kind of blowing up right now uh in tiktok uh on com on the comedy scene uh and uh, we we before we get into that, uh, maybe just give us a brief overview of your experiences on the the compound or what we refer to as the ranch ranch. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, because uh, Michael and I were discussing it. You grew up. We grew up in the same place, but we all grew up very differently. Yeah. And that's that's actually one of the reasons I was, I think, the most excited to, to have this conversation is that I think that. There's, there's this view that people have about, I don't know, like cults and maybe extreme, extreme belief systems is maybe what I'll call them, where uh, I don't think they realize how, like, how sort of like isolated and, and close they can be, right? So like we, like you said, we were on the same property. You guys were down the hill. We were up on the top of the hill. And, but because, and, and, and even because you two, I, mean, I think you two even had different experiences, but but we all had very different experiences with the same, with kind of what was what was going on because because of the way that our parents kind of put the rules around us. So I think my dad, 
as as the older kind of the oldest brother um he was you know i think a little more a little more desperate to sort of uh live up to his father's expectations to be kind of the righteous son the son that like did the right thing he he was really strict right so he had very firm and and impenetrable boundaries around what was allowed and what was not allowed um and so i i think i experienced a lot more isolation and a lot more um just like like as as just an example like i would sometimes sneak down to your your guys's house to like watch movies and i'd like stand in the i don't know if you remember or watch us play video games yeah i'd like stand in like i'd like i figured out that if i was standing i would never sit down to watch the movie i would always be standing like on the little fireplace bricks because if that meant that if my dad walked in i could just be leaving like oh i just got here and they were watching this this movie but now so i'd watch like entire movies standing standing. (laughs) yep (laughs) on this and then i'd sometimes come down yeah michael and michael would like you'd be playing video games um, and I just, I just watch because I wasn't allowed to play, but technically I had not been told that it was, it was a sin to watch. So it's kind of like soaking where like <laughs> you can be yep. sort of involved, but not as long as you're not an active participant, uh, it's not a sin. Yeah, the, we would, we would, um, in fact, do, do you remember this? We had a game where. Uh, well, first, let me say that I remember you did a TikTok where you talked about how you would come play Frogger, and right. it was like this horrible thing when I had an Atari in my in my well, room. It was um, so I was so jealous. Also, we should also point out that that Atari got there in like 1997. <laughs> it it was 20 years old by the time it had gotten into our house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. the little background on the on the Atari, Curtis and I uh saved up for like two months and we bought it for like fifty bucks at a at a um what what am I thinking second of? Second hand store. Yeah, second hand store. And and the, it was the only video game console we had. I think we at one point got a Sega Genesis, but we never were we never had the time to play it. And those are the only game consoles we ever had. We never got into the modern, you know, like right. Nintendo yeah. 64. Yep. Or yep. Like that. It was, we, um, so it was ancient um, when we got it. It was ancient when we got it. And we were like, this is the shit, you guys. <laughs> the coolest <laughs> thing do, ever. Do you remember Smokey and the Red Baron? Or, or yes. Smokey and the Red Baron? Yeah. That, that was the one we played the most. And because it kept ticking up, you know, you kept getting points harder and harder right. and harder more and more kills we yeah were also, i mean also we were probably preparping for the apocalypse with that one where like, so we'll that was allowed have to, we'll have to probably fly airplanes to rescue the righteous people from the wicked <laughs> yeah so um yeah that uh michael you were saying something yeah. about the, the so and we we uh you eventually got a computer right and it was it and um, it was underneath in the basement of the bakery. There was a computer and I started playing a, uh, dungeon siege yes. and this, this, which is... I still, to this day, I've tried to find that game to play it again. Cause I remember it being so fucking awesome. <laughs> and we would actually basically play it together. Like you would be over my shoulder. I'd be playing it. Right. And you'd be like do this, do this. And you'd have suggestions. Right. I was like, I was like running, I was like backseat driving your video game experience. 
I'm yeah, sure it yeah. was great fun for you. No, no, I loved it. And then it, if I needed to go pee, like it was a, it was a, um, a, a role-playing game, right? So you had inventory and you'd get to a store where you could like sell and trade and stuff like that, right? And uh, when when I would get to a store, I would go pee. And because you weren't technically playing the video right. game, yeah, but you would inventory everything. I'd like I'd take care of your inventory. I'd manage it. I'd sell some stuff. I'd upgrade you. You know, because that's not. I mean, that's not really playing. That's that's really exercising my. That's just practicing my ability to do inventory for the bakery. <laughs> right. That's how you. That's how you should have sold it, Dad. This is going to teach me how to, to do inventory for the bakery. Sorting uh, these wizard staffs will help me learn how to order flour. <laughs> Another thing that was completely different is is working the bakery. Now, uh, Travis and I were kind of talking about this a little bit, and that was that the difference in because uh, I would work the ranch, right? Which I was young and it was a lot of responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if I'm being honest, like I could go out and change water, you know, do the watering for the fields and stuff like that. And I could get away with like falling asleep under a tractor or something like that. Right. It, you know, there was, there was right. your, tell us a little bit about pre-cell phone so like nobody could find you right yeah and it was completely different working in the bakery so if you wanted to just chat about that for a second well our work didn't end ended when there was no light there was no more i mean there was yeah there was there was sometimes sometimes i remember working past that time like we, we would get headlights or 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 uh uh use the truck lights to finish what the job we were doing but usually it was from sun up to sundown. It was never it was never past that. But you, I've I've heard you talk about this in um, on other podcasts. So just tell us a little bit about. Yeah. So so we we started the bakery right to sort of uh, as I remember it to kind of kind of support the ranch right. So it it was kind of like we we need we need an extra stream of revenue so that we can have. Um, so that we can support this ranch because brother Owen told us that we need to have this ranch when the calamities happen so that the saints can come up here and be safe. Because, uh, what I think brother Owen missed is that nobody wants to go to Wyoming, even during the apocalypse, which was actually wrong. Actually, I need to update that joke because it turns out a whole bunch of people did move to Wyoming during the apocalypse, <laughs> like Jackson filled yeah. up, yeah, yeah. um, but just not level. <laughs> yeah. And nobody likes that place. <laughs> nobody likes that place. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and it's, it's been something that I've kind of, I've thought about uh, quite a bit, right. Cause I think that, you know, when, when my dad decided that he was going to have me and then other members of, of, uh, you know, other, others of my siblings work in the bakery, I think that in his head, he saw it as similar to working on a ranch, which is, which is hard, but also has like, like you said, Michael has some, some sort of built in limitations on it right mm -hmm. and the problem with the bakery is that there weren't any limitations so i would i would start working like two o'clock three o'clock in the morning sometimes and i'd often be working well past dark to you know 11 or 12 so i would when by the time i was like 14 i was i was working especially during the summer 
you know, uh, upwards of 14 and 16 hours a day. Sometimes when I'd go delivering with my dad, I'd work sometimes 20 hours and, and it, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Like I've, I've done, um, I, I tell people that I was labeled labor trafficked. Uh, and what I mean by that people don't quite understand that, that labor trafficking doesn't have to involve movement, right? That does, the traffic part kind of confuses people. It just means forced labor, right? It means, and, and so I would actually probably contend that all of us were and that our parents were and that probably every Mormon child from the inception of Mormonism has been labor trafficked because that's what we sort of do is we have a lot of kids and then we have them work for us, right? Uh, a Mormon mission is labor trafficking because you're being forced to go and do free labor that you're not being compensated for. And and that is sort of the, that's the way that they, that they define labor trafficking is that it's labor that you are required to do that you are not adequately compensated for. So I was getting paid like 25 cents an hour to do, you know, hard physical labor in, a, in essentially a factory. So uh, yeah, not cool, not, not very fun. Um, but I also did sometimes get to sneak into a freezer and eat some really cold cookies. So it did balance out. Uh, this, this is very interesting. So I didn't learn about, uh, like really heavily communism until I went to college. And when I learned about communism, I realized that the new world order, which my father was peddling pretty heavily is the exact same thing only with religion united order so united order, order that's yeah. different so united order united yeah. order that's right. that sorry that's what i <clears throat> excuse the me new world order is actually communism according to grandpa <laughs> well yeah. yeah so and i don't know and i never had the chance to talk to anybody about this but i don't know how they define the difference was the only difference the religious aspect to it because it's the same exact yes. thing yeah it's like so that you it's that you choose to do it um no it well what, it was I more it, it was more basically the difference was that communism god was not involved and united order god was central right which just means that which checks out to me right i mean if i i mean if i murder someone and god's not involved then i'm a murderer but if i murder someone and god is involved i'm nephi from the book of mormon <laughs> it's it is, yep. it is, it flies in the face. It, so it's, it's a, it's a religion of constant contradictory con, contradiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we've, what, that's what we've found is that it's constantly contradicting itself from, um, from itself. Yeah. yeah it's from, almost like it was pulled out of the ass of a 14 year old farm boy from New York. <laughs> so did you ever watch that Ted talk by the basketball player? Uh, I don't think so. It's, um, called what is your polygamy? Oh, from, is it from Lance Allred? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's from him. That. Yeah. And I suggest to all, all, um, uh, everybody watching to go check out that Ted talk because it's very interesting. Cause he talks about how you're taught not to lie unless it's about your polygamist family. Right. right. And unless it's, it's about your religion. Yes. And it's a bizarre contradiction in and i i had this issue too i had the issue the issue with the contradiction i remember going uh to a bigger city to get our teeth worked on 
and it would be in the middle of the week. Right. And I knew that other children were in school mm. and we would, we'd go to, and we'd go shopping and we'd get these weird looks. And I knew people were going, why aren't those kids in school? Right. You know? And so I would try to make up a story if I ever got asked by a stranger, well, why aren't you in school? I would like, yeah, try to do hoops like, oh, it's a field day where, you know, we're, right. you know, or, and then I, that's where I learned the phrase hooky. And one of the people going, oh, you, you play hooky. You're playing hooky. Playing hooky. Yeah, like, what does like, that mean? I was like, what does that mean? So it's bizarre. Well, and, and that's, that's just such a great example of kind of the, there. When, when you live, when you live in a, like an extreme and isolated community like ours, you're, especially as a child, you're kind of placed under this constant stress that you don't really even know is happening, but it's, it's, it's things like that, where you sort of are walking around having to like wonder, like, am I, are we being watched? Do I need to explain why, why we're here? Are people going to ask who we are? Right. I remember growing up and, and getting in trouble for, uh, for referring to like, for referring in public to my other mom as an, as my other mom, right? Because it was like, Ooh, we don't want people to know that. Um, we don't want people to know that we're polygamous because they might come and take you away, right? The, the, the evil law might come take you away, which really should have been my first red flag. Yeah. I should have been like, why would, why would people want to take me away from my family? Yeah. Well, and they were, they were feeding off the 1950 raids um right. that that the john crack hour under the banner of heaven book uh like goes into a lot of detail about yeah so have you read that book yet benjamin i haven't read the book but i i love the the tv the show series. yeah 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 that the this tv series was excellent um i agree it was very very well done yeah. on this on this podcast we've talked ben and i don't know if you would agree but they really should do if the, the makers of under the banner of heaven, they need to do another one, which would be about ruling all red and oh, herbal LeBaron. Herbal LeBaron. Yes. Oh my gosh. So Guys, good. there's a story there that can be unraveled. Fuck, I'm hmm. going to text. I'm going to text Lindsay that after we get off. Oh, that would be rad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is, Whoever, that is a very interesting. Anybody just, make it <laughs> the similarities in the manson murders and that one are bizarre oh, or, or a netflix documentary yeah oh, that would be yeah like a murder podcast <laughs> oh my god a mormon murder podcast because apparently it's wild it's apparently there are tons of mormon murders yeah you could start you could start beginning, the beginning with our dear friend and brother Oren porter rockwell Dear friend, he's kind of actually a hitman. He's kind of looked upon as a folklore, like almost a folklore they hero. Have fucking streets named after him in yeah. Utah, and, and this guy like straight up took religious hits. That is nuts. Oh man. <laughs> so anyway, Wait, and it's born, and now it it is the beginning. Here we are. <laughs> Here we hey. are. Let's. <laughs> So, um, you've been, uh, so, so tell us a little bit about the inspiration or the journey into, from the cult into a, uh, uh, somewhat, I, I would assume somewhat lucrative, uh, career of comedy at this point. Well, uh, that is a big assumption because comedy okay. doesn't pay well at first, <laughs> but, 
uh, it's been, so I, I, I always really enjoyed, um, I always really enjoyed making people laugh. Uh, and in fact, I would often get in trouble for doing that. Cause sometimes I would tell dirty jokes, uh, and nothing has changed. <laughs> and, uh, about, you know, when I, I, so I, I, I leave, uh, I leave the ranch, I go off to college. Um, I get married. I join the LDS church. I, I have a kid. And, and so I kind of end up doing, I end up in like a job. I, I start, start teaching at this online high school. I eventually move over into the business side and help, help run and grow the business. And that was never really what I wanted to do, but I also didn't have a clear sense of what I did want to do because that's not, that's not really a question that you're asked in a cult, right? You're not really asked, Hey, what is it that makes, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Cause you know what you want to be where you grow up, when you grow up, you want to be a soldier in the army of God. That's what you want to be. And, uh, and, and, you know, cults and especially Mormonism are sort of designed to kind of, uh, grind the individuality out of you and turn you into a rank and file Peter piece, Peter priesthood, like one, just like all the others. Right. And, and so after I left, uh, first, you know, the, the AUB and then the LDS church, then I started to do, um, a lot of therapy because I, I realized that I had experienced some significant trauma as a child. And, and I was like, I have to get that out of the way before I can really find out what I'm here to do. Right. I have to kind of deal with this, this shit that happened to me. Um, so I did, uh, I did a lot of, I did a lot of therapy. I, I started practicing Qigong. That's what this thing here in the, the anger bag that I mentioned before. So maybe at some point I can, I can demo that. Cause that's a pretty cool practice for, uh, transmuting anger. But, um, after I did all that, I just kind of thought about what I wanted to do. And I was like, I want to be a stand-up comic. Like I remembered, I remembered watching, um, Aladdin as a really, as a really young kid and kind of being you really, were, you were allowed to watch Aladdin. Well, I think that one, I sort of snuck. Okay. Because we were, we were allowed to watch Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we were allowed to watch. I remember my dad, your grandpa, Ben, uh, our, our father telling me to go watch Braveheart, which is a which was a rated R movie. Right. Like I remember, I remember uh, a mutual friend of ours, mom saying in front of us that she wished that all of the kids could watch at least the torture scene in Braveheart, because that was what we were going to have to go through to, uh, you know, not deny Christ. And it would be good for us to, to like get an example of that before it happened. Jeez, who said that? <laughs> That is not, uh, you can't tell. Wanna, you can, don't don't, no, 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 no names. No names. But yeah, no, the no. most recent, the most recent addition to our friend group. Wow. Michael, his mom. Oh. And, and uh, that I is, mean, that she's is, a little kooky for sure. But again, as like a 11 year old boy, I was like, well, I guess I'm probably going to have my guts pulled out for Jesus. <laughs> so were you allowed to watch that movie then? Uh, no. So they never, it, did, they, it didn't they, catch they on. Did. No, they did. They, I did finally watch Braveheart when uh, there was like, do you remember when there was like that, that sort of, uh, this wasn't, it wasn't VidAngel, it was pre-VidAngel, um, but they would do. Um, oh, they, they would like take rent, out. 
you edited could rent versions their of, movies and they would the take movies, out all the bad stuff. The bad stuff. Yeah. So that's that's when I watched Braveheart. It was probably like 14. And uh I did try, I did always want to watch grandma's edited copy of Braveheart. But oh my gosh. My understanding was that it was not great because she would because she was doing it on VHS, right? And so she would like see the bad thing and kind of freak out and then do it. And so what would happen is you would get the crazy, like the dude getting his head stoved in with like a sledgehammer. And then it would cut the next part where his son was like crying about it, <laughs> which all that taught me was that men take pain and we don't cry. <laughs> it was it, her, Did, her edited verse. I remember her trying to make that. And it was so frustrating <laughs> for her because she was trying to censor out all the bad stuff, all the bad stuff. And, there's, and, there's, and it would just be, it would just go static. So yeah, like static and then you would do a hear cut, the cut. sound effects and you'd hear the sound effects so it'd be the battle scene which right? is and it would just <laughs> it was just almost worse because then it's all going through your head and like, like what is going on oh man i that was the edited version we saw i wish i had seen that in theaters honestly because oh my gosh that would movie. be that would be rad such a such a great movie yeah so um so uh about uh, so in May of 2021, so I, so then, then at that point I was living in St. George and I knew that I wanted to kind of pursue this, this con I want to at least try this comedy thing. Right. I wanted to see like, am I good at it? Do I enjoy it? Is it something fun? Is it something I could, I could, you know, sort of chase? Um, cause it feels really true and authentic to me. And so I, but I, I was living in St. George and there's not a great comedy scene in St. George, mostly cause there's not a really great any kind of scene in St. George. Um, the weather's nice. The weather is nice. That's true. <laughs> and there's a, there's a decent, there's a decent yoga community. And if you're 55 and older, you can go to uh, these really awesome like swinger clubs, uh, which are called, Whoa. they're not really swinger clubs. They're just retirement communities, but apparently people be getting it on in the <laughs> retirement communities. Because I have a, so this is a bit of a tangent, but I have a, I have Side, a upside down pineapples galore, more just like raining down from the sky in St. George. Um, no. So I have this friend that has a, she, she went into like this, uh, like this, uh, uh, um, like a medical testing fast shop or something. Cause her, her daughter was doing like a school project. They needed to do like some kind of test. And she was just talking with the, the owner and the owner said that, um, the owner said that, uh, their most, uh, profitable place of like, uh, of leads and revenue was coming from the retirement communities for STD tests. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Which I love. I love that. I love that the elderly in St. George are not only getting it on, but they're being like, fuck condoms. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, at that age, you wouldn't care. Like, <laughs> like if I'm 80 I'll years get, old, I'm like, I'll get an STD test right, later. I'm not gonna, if I try to put a condom on, I might lose my boner. <laughs> I only have, I have about a 30 second window. I'm not going to fuck around with protection. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kids. Wow. Protection. Um, Even so, at that age. <laughs> Even at that age, you don't want to. You, you think an unplanned pregnancy will ruin your life at eighteen? Try eighty-five. <laughs> You'd have to start a religion. <laughs> Out of it. Out of it. <laughs> it's, like the, it's 
like what's whatever the the, the crone mary <laughs> instead of the, yeah, virgin. The, the the virgin mary the crone uh, virgin mary so i moved so that so then i moved to salt lake and i moved to salt lake because salt lake has a better comedy scene and i, I wanted to be able to to go and, and try it out so I, I was i was pretty lucky i got a house that has like a it's right next to the 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 tracks and it can it's like a straight shot to the the comedy club and um so I, in may of 2021 so just just under two years ago i went and i did my first open mic and killed it it was fun i i had a i had great energy i enjoyed it i i connected well with the audience i had a, a blast and uh and then last sunday i i just sold out my first headlining show um wow also here at the end that was off the charts and it was cool enough like i did well enough that um that i i texted the owner after and i'm like hey i really want to do i really want to get another show on the books because i killed this one and he's like cool yeah what are you doing april 23rd so i've got another one uh wow. about four weeks and and so it's really kind of taken off for you it feels it feels like it's it feels like it's the i mean we'll we'll, we'll see right but it feels like it's the beginning of the momentum right so what i'm yeah, hoping yeah. to do is because i think what i've done what i what, what one i've i've been really working hard and consistent at, at at writing material and and then just practicing so i'll go up whatever any stage i can get i go up on um even i i once got i once got hired to do someone's birthday party so i was like i was literally driving back from burning man i was filthy dirty and i got a phone call from my buddy and he's like hey i found like the, there's this there's this gig that i found um they're paying like 350 bucks to go do like 20 minutes at someone's birthday party um do you want to do it and i was like of course i want to do it like that's stage time i will do i will do whatever i can to get on a stage because that's where you practice right you can't mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. about comedy that's a bit kind of kind of tricky is that other art forms other 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 uh industries other professions you can sort of practice behind closed doors right so you can go and you can do you can get ready behind closed doors. But with comedy, like I can rehearse my lines. I can be familiar with my jokes, but there's not really a way to practice being like actually, cause it's not just about saying things. It's about being funny in front of people. And you so I that. can't actually really do that. I can't practice except on stage. You need that audience feedback, right? I need that audience feedback, right? I need yes. that audience connection. Cause it's not about, it's not about writing funny lines. It's about delivering lines that are funny in a way that connects with your audience. Right. And it's, it's yeah. sort it's sort of this thing that you've got to like uh, a lot of people, when they start, when they do an open mic, they'll, they think, Oh, it's just about the jokes. I just have to have good jokes. You do that. You do need to have good material, but it's not if that, if you just go up with good material, but you don't connect with the audience, doesn't matter how good your material is yeah. and connecting with that audience takes, takes practice. So, so I'm driving back and I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. So I, he gives me the number. I call the guy and I'm like, Hey, I'm just coming back and the party's that night. So I'm like, I'm driving back. I'll be there probably about seven. Does that work? And he's like, yeah, come on over. So I get there. Uh, I knock on the door. This elderly guy answers it. His name's Bob. He's the birthday girl's dad. And he's like, um, he's like, can I help you? Like, he doesn't recognize me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm the comedian. I'm here for, uh, I'm here for the party. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I need to speak to Chris. And he's like, oh, Chris isn't. So he finds, brings me, finds Chris. And Chris is like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. We're not in, oh, I'm not in charge of this party. Uh, me and Brent hired you. We haven't told anyone. No one knows you're coming. Oh boy. <laughs> this sounds like a shit show in the making. 
And I'm like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You invited me to do comedy at a birthday party that you're not in charge of and you haven't cleared it with the hosts. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna suck. And then I'm like, well, I'm just gonna do my best. And uh, and I actually, I actually uh, like they they went and they talked. The birthday girl thought that I was a stripper. Um, uh, and she was really upset because she was like, because her parents were very Christian. And so she was like equal parts uh, excited and upset because she, her, her background is that she was a, 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 um, a skydiving instructor who had just had like a really horrific accident. She was, she's been, been paralyzed. She's now in a wheelchair. So she was like, she was kind of in this big life transition. And, uh, and so, and she also, as she told me later, she was super horny. And so she was pretty excited about the idea of, of, of having a stripper. Um, <laughs> but she was also kind of like, my Christian parents are not going to love me getting a lap dance on my wheelchair. And, and so she sees me and, and they're like, and Chris is like, we got you a comedian. And she's like, oh, okay. And so I go like, we kind of like take everyone to the backyard. They all kind of sit there. There's like 15 of them. And I go up and I do like 20 minutes of, of jokes. <laughs> And, uh, and it actually lands really well. Like everyone has a good time. We laugh where it's kind of this fun, fun connection. And uh, then I end up talking to her and she's fucking funny. Like she's really funny. And she's talking about her experience of being quadriplegic in a really funny way. And I'm like, I'm like, you should come do an open mic with me. That would be fun. And, and she's like, okay, I'll do it. Like, she's like, I would love to feel scared again. I would love to feel anything again. And, um, so she, the, a couple, so I came over like a couple days later, we wrote some, we wrote some material together and then she came and she did an, an open mic and she killed it. She did a great job. And she's come a couple of times, um, to do, to do some work. And she actually opened for me, um, on, on Sunday. So that's awesome. Wow. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty magic. It was kind of a, a cool little magical connection. Um, she didn't get her, her lap dance, um, but someday <laughs> she'll get shove a, shove a groupie come and give her a lap dance and uh great have you got those so you got groupies now i have well, i have like uh i've had one one person show up to a, a show and and try to come on to me uh and and that was that was an interesting experience for sure <laughs> it was more like like the 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 experience that i had was i was like Ooh, if I were a bad person, I could probably take advantage of you Exploit right now. It. But what you really need to do is go get some therapy. So yeah. <laughs> go get some therapy and don't hit on random dudes at at comedy clubs because you don't know who the fuck I am. And most of these guys are not great people. That's that is really interesting. Do, so are you doing a lot of the green room? So I listen to a lot of comedians and talk about comedy. And they always talk about the green room afterwards, like just hanging with other comics and just kind of feeding off each other, getting, are you doing that yeah, sort of thing? That's, that's the best. So kind of getting in there and kind of vibe and you can kind of build It's That's, that's another place where you can kind of practice too. So if I'm not, if I'm not in some shows or if I'm not going up, I'll still go to the comedy club to just kind of hang with other comedians and just chat because it gives me an opportunity to sort of like practice being quick and funny. And like, because mm -hmm. if you can get a comedian to laugh, like, like that's great because they don't fucking laugh at anything because they they hate laughter and joy. 
they're they're working out all their problems on the stage aren't they They're working out all their problems on which is not the place to do it let me be clear uh the first place you tell a traumatic story should not be the stage Hmm. it should be after you've done therapy it should be after you've processed it right like because there's because there's actually i think that there is a place for for uh trauma in comedy i think it i think that comedy is a really great way to overcome uh to kind of rise above to transcend um uh shitty things i think it's a great way to um right now i'm using it to really uh just poke power so i'm i'm making fun of the lds church pretty pretty intentionally and and aggressively and that's because comedy is a really great way to do that um but it has to come from a place of funny it can't come from a place of i, I need i need some support on this right if you say something that's sad and it's obvious that you need comfort for that sad thing you're not going to get a laugh you're going to get Aww. Yeah. or crickets and or it's crickets, just, which is and, and it falls flat and everybody and everybody feels awkward i right. mean I, I i've come to see you a few times and every once in a while there will be uh somebody that will open or or open mic basically yeah and uh the some of them i mean yeah we Sometimes were on the they're not good Sometimes, and even even me, right? I've I've had to really kind of find the way to address, like, because I tell some jokes about about labor trafficking, and and so I have to find a way to I have to find a way to make it funny, right? And and sometimes it sometimes I haven't, right? It's been a like there I've I've told jokes that I thought were pretty great that just they just go nowhere because I wasn't able to find a way that it was funny to the people who were there. So that's, that's kind of the golden rule of comedy is you can say whatever the fuck you want, as long as it's funny, if it's funny, you're, you're golden, which is why I want to be in comedy because I like saying whatever the fuck I want. So, uh, I got to ask you about that saying whatever the fuck you want. Uh, do you, um, do you think, so during COVID there was this big like stop or I don't know, cancellation or people were trying to stop talk uh, uh, of certain subject matter do you do you think that there there was a at one point an attack on comedy um during that time or after I that time i i suspect that comedy will always has always been and will always be under attack hmm. and and if and if comics are complaining about that i think they're they're uh they don't understand the industry that they're in right? Like we're, we're supposed to get grief. If we're not, if we're not, cause we're, we're on the edges, right? We're on mm-hmm. the edges and we're, we're often speaking truth to power, right? So if we, if we aren't pissing people off a little bit, or at least pissing some people off. And to be clear, I don't think that that should be the point, right? If you're, so some comics will get up there and I'm just going to be controversial and say crazy shit. You're probably not funny, right? But if in your pursuit to be funny, you're, because there's something funny about going into topics that are taboo or are a little bit like um, sensitive or especially the way that our culture is, right? Where we, we just love to uh, get upset about everything. Making fun of that is going to piss some people off. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, I think that comedy is, I think if you're not pissing, if people aren't, if, if there is not, if there's not some controversy, then you're probably not, um, you're not on the edge. Yeah. It, and you say the edge, but it's like, you're pushing that envelope. 
you're pushing like that all, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's like it, people will be uncomfortable saying these things, but right. you as a comic, you're going to push that a little bit and you almost want a little bit of, of, of like uncomfortableness. Right. right. I, I can only assume I'm not a, a comedian. So, well, and, and like, so just an example from my, my set on Sunday, and this wasn't even necessarily planned. It just kind of, it just kind of happened because it was funny in the moment. But at one point I, I called the LDS church a white supremacist. And, and that when, when, when I get my, when I get my editing back and I pop that special on YouTube, that's going to piss some people off. Right. That's going to piss a lot of Mormons off. They're going to be like, we're not white supremacists. And that's, good right i'm glad that it's going to piss some people off because now we're going to have a conversation about is the lds church white supremacist because as a comedian i mean i don't have facts i just have funny so i just said something that was kind of funny but now people are reacting to it and now they have to have a conversation about well is it is it not why would he say that what what's going on here right so it's a way to kind of say the thing that everyone is sort of thinking the uh, elephant in the room the elephant, yeah. Right. Yeah. i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. saying the thing yeah. and i don't and because i can because i made it funny now if i would have just got up there and been like the lds church is white supremacist rah 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 not funny not going to land right but mm -hmm. because of the, the way that it happened it was the perfect thing to say in that moment and it got a big laugh uh now now it's funny so now it's now it's out there so i my question i so i I, you may know who this is, but I can't remember what comedian it was where he had a deal with a big streaming company and they wanted him to edit a bunch of stuff out of his show. Mm -hmm. So he bought it back and just put it online. Yeah. Do you, do you know who I'm referring to? I can't uh, remember who it was. I but, don't know. I, yeah. I would be just, I would just be spitballing, but that doesn't surprise me. So what do you say? Because that is a form of censorship, right? That's like they didn't like what he had to say. They wanted him to cut right. it all out. And he I mean, was I like, think that no. was bad. I think that was probably bad business for the streaming company. Yeah, because it, it turns out that it turned it came it really helped him out. Right. But one of the one of the nice so 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 again, speaking from my own experience, people trying to shut you up as a comic, gold. Ah. Oh. Thank you. Oh my God, please tell everyone about how I shouldn't be able to say this thing. Yeah. 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 So you, are you a free speech absolutist then? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's yeah. so, now, so are we, I mean, again, I, I kind of uh, assuming that if, if, if you, that means that to me, a, a free speech absolutist, what that means is you are absolutely free to take whatever, to say whatever you want. And you are absolutely free to receive the consequences of whatever it is that you say. Yeah, say yeah. So if you say something awful, you are going to probably be treated awful, right? Yeah. Free speech doesn't mean that everyone get needs to like what you say. It just means that we guarantee that you get to say it. Where no one's going to stop you from saying it. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to give you a platform to say it. That doesn't mean that like you like so so what? I, so I'm I'm getting ready for my show on Sunday, and I just get on my neighborhood Facebook group, and I'm just like. Hey everybody, I am a local comic and I'm doing a show and I grew up in Mormon polygamy and I'm going to tell some jokes about it. And if you've ever been curious about some of the lesser parts of Mormonism, you should come out to my show. It's going to be really fun. And almost everybody was like, great. That sounds so much fun. Thanks for inviting us. And then like four or five Mormons were like, 
I can't believe that you would say anything about Mormon polygamy because it's going to give people the wrong impression of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if they want the right impression, they should talk to a member and they should read the Book of Mormon. And I'm like, Karen, if they want an impression of the church, of the Mormons, literally that was her name. I'm not even making that shit up. Except, that, except, I, I thought you made that up. That was... No, no, her name was actually Karen, but it, because it's Utah, it was spelled C H A R Z W Y X V N. Whoa, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Okay, but it wasn't. I was going to be. Like, Come down, Travis. <laughs> oh, it it's funny. It wasn't just, spelled the way that Karen is supposed to be spelled. You're just making me crack up. So that that was that was a funny. The, okay, Karen. Jeez, Karen, calm down. Calm, calm down. Um, and then, but then the, this other lady, she got on there and she's like, all she said was, she's like, remove post due to rule six. And then she screenshotted the rules of the Facebook group. And one of the rule six is no soapbox or ranting. No soapboxing or ranting. And and I was like. I got, a, I just replied to her and I just said, I didn't realize that I get canceled so quickly for just having a childhood. And then she get back, she gets back and she's like, I also had a childhood and I was raised Mormon and I left it and then came back after much tribulation. So I believe that I should be able to also be given an audience just like yours to tell my story, even if it's funny or not. Do you agree? And I don't agree with that. No, you don't get to be given. I wasn't given an audience. I took two years of my life and I busted my ass and I got an audience. And then those people, and then I invited those people to come to my show where they were gonna listen to me speak. So if you wanna do that, great, go for it. But I, no one's going to give you that platform. That's yeah. not free speech. Free speech doesn't mean anybody gets whatever platform they want. Free speech means you can say whatever you want to whoever wants to listen. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. So who and, and for for what she was saying there, like you had to be funny. Right. You right. had to get people interested in I listening to, to you. Right. I actually, I actually wanted, I want I didn't I didn't go this route because I wanted to play, I wanted to play it cool. And I knew that the ex-Mormons would come to defend me and they did. So I was just very polite. I was like, I was like, I, I didn't really get into any kind of fights. Then, then yeah. the ex-Mormons came out and they were like, we will defend you. We are the stripling warriors of wickedness. <laughs> and, um, and boy, did they. Uh, and she got called some mean names. Um, but, oh shit, I can't remember. Michael, what did, you, what did you just say? Oh, I was just talking about the fact that uh, you had to be funny in order to get that audience. Oh, yeah. So yeah. to so get people to listen, you, you had to sell it. There's a right. certain amount of just by just, by nature of her virtue isn't going to get the audience. Right. Just because you have a story doesn't mean you've got an audience. And so what I wanted to what I wanted to tell her was, hey, come to an open mic with me. Like if you really feel like you have three minutes of funny stories that's pro-Mormon about your lovely childhood growing up Mormon, great. I'll listen to that. I will, I will, not only will I listen, I will bring you to the open mic. I will introduce you to the other comics. I will clap as you go up on stage. I will laugh if you're funny and I will clap when you come off stage. But don't sit here in, in, your, in your house in daybreak on your computer saying, I deserve an audience just like yours. No, you don't, bitch. You haven't done the work that I've done. 
there's a certain amount of jealousy that happens when there's a success. And I mean, you are a small success, but you are becoming a success. And we've noticed this about uh, our, our brother's show. There's a lot of people who hate who hate on that. And it's like, right. well, wait a second. I Are you hating because the, the show's terrible? Or are you hating because you are jealous of the success? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that a lot of people don't, don't understand the, the work that it takes to, to build and maintain an audience. Right. And that it's actually that, that there's, there's, I mean, you guys are, are experiencing this with, with the podcast, right? Like yeah. it's, it's some ser- you, that's a grind, right? You've got to really, you've got to be consistent. You've got to show up. You've got to provide content. You got to listen to your audience to hear what they're interested in. You got to iterate. There's all this kind of, and it's fun and it's creative and it's like, it's fun to kind of stretch and, and do that, but nobody's giving you audience. Like that's, that's, that's not the way that it works. If you're compelling, people will listen to you, but you got to be compelling. And, and frankly, uh, uh, you know, for most people, true blue Mormonism isn't very compelling. It's annoying. And boring, I would and, say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their history is not boring. Fascinating. But it's fascinating. But most Mormons are really boring people. Yeah. So they've had they've had all of the individuality crushed out of them to become essentially spiritual corporate drones. Well, and that's one of my biggest issues with the the churches because it because I'm very much against communism or a communist state, very much against that. And they it, it they may not acknowledge that that's what they're doing, but they're basically trying for communism. hundred percent. Yeah. So a communism that somehow still allows them to have hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, that's what communism, the people at the top in communism get everything. Uh, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> no so, anarchy of a few. Yeah. Getting all the power, getting all um, the power. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, maybe, yeah. So uh, maybe with that, I'll ask this question to you, Ben. You were speaking a little bit about like talking against the power um, mm-hmm. of the of the the LDS Church. Uh, talk a little bit about like why you think that's important. Yeah. Um, and and touch on maybe touch on that because um, I've heard different numbers and I haven't looked it up specifically, but. Uh, paper assets of 130 billion. Is that some? Yeah. So uh, thank you for asking me about my favorite topic. Um, I, I have a, I have an ambition in my life where, where when I die, I want to see the, I want to see the Mormon power structure die with me because it's an organization that has caused immense harm to, uh, to me, to people that I love and to literally thousands, if not millions of people. Um, and it is a, the, 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 the most kind of, uh, the most public and the most dominant version of that, of that uh, power structure is the LDS church. And the LDS church right now um, is, you know, a couple of years ago, it was leaked that they had uh, it, their, their stock portfolio was leaked by a member of the member of the church office building. And it was valued in excess of a hundred billion dollars. 
right? Which is uh, a lot of money. And that also means- And that's too, just their paper. That's, that's just, just- Yeah, that's stocks. just that's stocks, right? Okay. They're also, they also have huge land holdings. Um, the, the LDS church is the largest landowner in the state of Florida. I don't know why. I don't know why Mormons are obsessed with Florida because that shit's going underwater and they have a profit, so they should know that. But I don't know. The Mormon profit is traditionally very bad at making predictions. Um, but, do you know how much their holdings is for Utah? Because oh, I would I, think that they I would, would be the second. That, I mean, I don't know this, but I would imagine that after probably the federal government, the LDS church is probably definitely in the top. Yeah, that's what I would and, think. After, after, in, in terms of like real estate, and especially like in Salt yeah. Lake, like I mean, in Salt Lake, they own the the most valuable re the real estate, including a very lovely mall that they built. But mm -hmm. they didn't build it with tithing money. They built it with the interest that they made off tithing money, which is different. Jesus. <laughs> so we're we're talking. Do you have you done any research into this? Are we are we talking possibly? Um, with withholdings, maybe the richest entity in the world. I've I've wondered that. So, you know, I I here's what I here's what I do know. Right, um, we talk about you know Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk is and those are kind of the billionaires that we know about. Right, we we kind of say like they're the richest man in the world. I don't know what I don't know what Elon Musk's net worth is, but I do know that the way that the LDS Church is set up as a corporation. It's a corporation soul, meaning that it's a single member corporation. And the only member of that corporation is the prophet of the church, which right now is Russell Nelson, which means that he is essentially, if not the richest, one of the richest men in the world because he owns all of those assets. Well, how do those assets transfer when the new prophet comes in? That I don't know. I'm sure that that's part of like the bylaws of the, of the, of the corporation. And there's a pretty, there's a pretty established uh, lineage there where it's just whoever is the neck, the most, the most uh, uh, senior member of the LDS church, which is a great strategy, right? Like being able to always have the oldest person in charge uh, is just a really great way to stay current and <laughs> hip and modern, you know? So crushing that, that's probably why they're so, you know, on board with uh, everything that's why would they know about the internet and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I have, I have a pretty big beef with the, with the LDS church because, uh, and with Mormonism in general, right? Because, because literally right, we were talking earlier about labor trafficking and abuse, right? I was labor trafficked because Joseph Smith lied. That's the reason that it happened. Right. Well, none of, none of that, we wouldn't have been out there. Right. I probably wouldn't have existed too. So I guess I have to also give Joseph Smith for credit for me existing. But like Joseph Smith lied about seeing God, about translating Book of Mormon plates, about God telling him that he had he's supposed to have multiple wives. And because of that, he created this mythosphere that created this cult that people have been building and exploiting ever since. And it is, um, you know, it. Th if you think about our family, right? Our family has been our ancestor joined the LDS church in 1835, right? Five years after the church started. And that means that our family has been a member of a cult 
giving 10% of our family's wealth to that cult for almost 200 years. Think about the compounding effects of that on our family's financial situation, right? Mm, that is yeah. that is a huge amount of wealth transference from us to an organization that isn't using that money well, right? They, I mean, the the most recent news in in the church and uh, and corporate financing is that they squirreled away. They tried to hide. $34 billion in offshore accounts. And then they got fined by the F by the SEC. So the LDS church just barely paid a $5 million fine to settle violations in how they manage their funds, um, which is paltry, right? Like $5 million. Drop in the bucket. Like yeah. <laughs> and it also, it actually kind of pisses me off, right? Because $5 million um, that could pay for a shit ton of therapy for people who are leaving Mormonism deeply traumatized and abused. So, so like, let's, uh, let's define the traumatized and abuse a little bit, because I mean, they're not, it's not like they're, they have killed people in the past, but they're not currently killing people for, you know, the blood atonement and all that kind of stuff. Right. But so, I mean, there's a, there's gradations of, of damage that religions do and, and 100%. they would be on the, in my wanna... mind on the lower, you know, because, because there's, 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 you know, Uyghur Muslims in China getting, you know, in concentration camps. So, I mean, there's, there's for a sure. great age. I want to give, give the LDS church major props for not murdering anyone <laughs> in the last hundred years that we know of yeah. and for not putting anyone in concentration camps that we know of. Uh, here's how I would define that abuse. Um, number one, I do not know a single person who has left Mormonism who has not or would not benefit from serious therapy because they fuck with your mind. They tell you that you don't matter, that you're evil, that your natural body's inclinations are evil. They teach children that masturbation is sinful, which is not only bullshit and harmful and sexual abuse, it's also grooming because it's it's allowing adult who adult men who are not your who aren't related to, and they shouldn't be related to you anyway, to ask you questions about your sexual history when you're a child. That's fucked up, right? That's, and because we're raised in that culture, because we swim in it, I think sometimes we don't, we don't often see how, just how damaging that is, right? Utah yeah. has um, the, the highest rate of queer teen suicide in the nation because they tell people who are queer, hey, it's okay to be gay, just you can't act on it. So you get to be celibate for your rest of your life. Yay, what a fun life you get to live, right? Um, you have people You have people who are going on missions who are coming back having experiencing PTSD because of the pressure and the stress that they're being placed on, that it's being placed on them under the, on, on the mission. So um, I'd like to uh, just uh, address the, so, I don't know if you've heard this, but Jordan Peterson's, uh, did you ever watch the, um, Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson debates? I've seen, I've seen clips of it. 
So it's very interesting because uh, Sam Harris says the same thing. He says, you know, a religion that tells you that masturbation is sinful is a wrong. And Jordan Peterson had this really great answer to it. I don't, he says, we, what is masturbation keeping you from doing? Now, I, when I went to college, it was a bit like, it was, it was more of a culture shock when I went to high school. But when I went to college, there was a guy in our dorm room who had massive amounts of porn. Right. He had so much porn. He was trying to sell it to us. <laughs> and yeah. and this this is no bullshit. This guy was in the dorm. He he never left his dorm room. Why? Because he was jerking off so much he could not function in society. And and I'll I I could almost guarantee you, Travis, that that dude grew up in a home where he was told that sex was bad. Yeah. Well. Okay. Fair enough. But what I'm trying to get at is. Like he even, he even was the only person in the dorm when there was a fire started in the dorm, like, because he <laughs> did not leave the dorm. That, that ladies and gentlemen is the human dedication to sexuality. Yes. That is why you cannot stop us. <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that Jordan Peterson's view on it is not that it's bad, but what is it keeping you from doing for the rest right. of your life? So I, I don't think I don't, that, but here's, 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 here's how I would respond to Jordan Peterson in that, in that context. That's not what religion is saying, right? Mormonism, at least the, the, the mm -hmm. religion that I'm experiencing isn't mm -hmm. saying, Hey, Ben, you have sexual energy. Your sexual energy is powerful and good and clean and pure. And it's a really powerful force. So let's channel and harness and develop that energy and you learn to use it to create whatever kind of life you want to live, right? Which is exactly what uh, uh, in Thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill says. Right. That's, 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 that's like, called that's sex like magic, right? That's like a whole, that's a whole thing. That's not what they're saying. If they were saying that, I would be cool. That's actually really a great idea because I actually agree with like, number one, I think, you should masturbate like everyone like just you should definitely do it sometimes because um like just blow off like blow off some steam i don't want people doing jobs like i don't want pilots that aren't at least getting laid or masturbating sometimes because i don't want them flying through the air thinking oh my god i'm so fucking horny right now <laughs> right i want you i want your mind to be clear right and <laughs> So, and and so, so uh, just a little bit on that. So let uh, him finish his thought, Trav. Oh, go ahead and finish your thought. So there's the, 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 the rest of the thought is right. Like that. Um, I, I, I do think and believe that, that, that there's, uh, that there are ways to channel sexual energy that are more productive, that are more useful. And then there are ways to channel sexual energy that are less productive and less useful. Right. Just like everything else. But the, the issue that I take with religion and especially Mormonism is that what does it say about the essence of that? And what Mormonism tells you is if you masturbate, that is a sin, almost like murdering someone. You are bad and you are wrong. And if you can't control it, you are weak and you have no self-control. And that is horseshit. Not only is it horseshit, it's harmful horseshit because you're taking, and not only that, it's manipulative and evil because you're taking the thing that everyone is going to do 
right? Every human at some point in their life is going to be like, I wonder what's going on down there. And it's going to diddle and it's going to be like, woohoo, this feels good. And when you take that thing and you say, that's bad, unless you come into our temple and get approval from us to do that, that is the most disgusting attempt at, at mind fuckery and power and control that I can think of. Okay. So I'm, what I'm going to say is I, I, I agree with what you've said. Um, so I would argue that not specifically the LDS religion, um, but I would argue, argue that a lot of, lot of religion is to keep you uh, kind of away from the things that can actually control you, you control your life. So, so, so um, let's, let's take, so the, here's a through line. So a through line would be, okay, so uh, Mormonism teaches against um, drinking, uh, smoking, masturbation. These are all vices that can and do control people's lives. So, so they I can would, ruin people's lives. They can ruin people's lives. What? Right. So what? What in excess? So what I'm trying to get at is, if you, if I'm, I'm all for a, a life of moderation. I'm not kind trying to. Uh, come to the church's defense because I don't honestly care. But what I am trying to come to in the defense of it, what if at the beginning of the church, they saw problems with, so the guy that I just explained, a guy who never leaves his dorm room, who's jerking off all the time, right? A, a person who's drinking so much to in excess, he's passing out in a ditch and, and maybe, you know, so what, what I think what they were trying to do is go, okay, these things aren't good. But what it became is it became so dogmatic that now it's become a, that is the, there's a through line from, okay, don't do these things. And then go from there into these things are so bad that you will go to hell for them. Like if you participate in them. Yeah. And so I, I think the way that the way that I look at it is I don't I don't know of anyone who was who was given a a healthy approach to sexuality as a teenager that was told, hey, you're now a sexual being. Sexual sexual energy is awesome. Being a sexual being is good. It's part of who we are. It's a very deeply and authentic part of being human. Use your sexual energy well. I don't know anyone like that who sits at home masturbating and watching porn all day. Everyone that I know who has, a, who has an issue with that is because they're in some kind of shame spiral because they touched themselves and then it felt good. And then they were told that was bad. And then they were like, oh my God, I should never do that again. But, oh my God, I got to, uh, I did it again. Uh, so they're in this shame spiral, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not the mm -hmm. masturbation that is, that is making them spiral. It's, it's the, the guilt. Shame. It's the a guilt, shame. right? Mm -hmm. And that guilt came from the religion. And I, and I, again, I don't, I think maybe you have a, a kinder view of, of the people who start religions than I do, because I don't think that, I don't think that the, I don't think that they're, that religion is anti-sex because the people who started religion were like looking around society and seeing a problem with people fucking too much. I think it's because they couldn't fuck. I think it's because they couldn't get laid. And so they were like this not getting laid is actually the purest form of, of humanity.
And then they tried to make the rest of us feel bad because we could get some. That's interesting. Interesting. Interesting thought. So, So Joseph Smith, right? Joseph Smith, he's not, he's not preaching about sexuality because he thinks that he thinks that there's a problem. He's using God to get laid, which is pretty shitty game. If you ask me, like, if you have to invoke God to get laid, you probably are shitty laid. Or invoke God to get rid of the guilt of getting laid. Right. Well, uh, this, I think we're, we're at time. Um, uh, this is going to be part one of a two part series. Uh, we're going to continue with Ben in our second, uh, episode, Michael, uh, final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, just when we're coming back, I want to dig deep a little bit into, uh, asking Ben about, um, hijacked worship. Ooh, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and maybe, and maybe getting in, digging a little bit deeper into um, uh, your 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 spiritual journey, maybe in atheism, but also coming into a worship that that you love. Um, sure. Yeah. So coming back, let's do that. I'll, I'll um, invite everyone to join my cult. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted it's to only, start one myself. It's only seven percent tithing, you guys. <laughs> I, I would go three. Okay. Well, okay, two and a half. <laughs> All right. Um, Michael, socials. What are our socials? Yeah. Uh Twitter, brothers v at brothers v random, YouTube, you know, the at the brothers random. Uh we are on Rumble. Uh Instagram is at the brothers random. Uh Ben, if you wanted to give us uh where yeah. where people can find you. Yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at the Fresh King Benjamin, and then the FreshKingBenjamin.com is my website. I just launched that. Um, and it's a beautiful website, by the way. It looks great. Uh, thanks. It was it was it was pretty fun to do it. Uh, I definitely need some work, but people can um, they can like sign up for my email list there. They can buy kind of some swag, um, and they can uh, and they can like book me as a comedian. So if you want like a filthy raunchy mormon polygamous comedian to come to your birthday party and not be a stripper uh <laughs> and you can book me on that website that's what you should do is strip while you're doing your comedy should do, i should do comedy. what i should do i was actually talking to beck about this like uh like just a couple of days ago um and i was like i should do it where i do a comp where i do a comedy show and then at the end of it i'm just like <sighs> <laughs> that would then, that wow. would bring the that would wow. bring the audience wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, we've already plugged everything. Oh, we are also on Spotify and Apple uh, podcasts. We, um, and uh, I would like to say to everyone, keep reading, keep listening, keep watching, learn more. Thanks guys. We'll be back.